Hello and welcome to the podcast where we pick a discography and we work all the way through it. I'm Nick Moffat and I'm Shannon McLean. Nick, what is this podcast called? You know what? Okay, we don't have a name for it. I know we're like seven episodes in. This is getting ridiculous. Um, we really should come up with a name. We've been polling all the people who are the guests on the show and uh, we just haven't decided. We've had a good, we've had a few good options. Maybe for the next episode we'll have, we'll have the name. Perhaps. Yeah, maybe. We'll, we'll we'll see. By the time you're listening to this, there'll be a name. So all of this is moot point anyway. But speaking of guests, I feel like we should uh, jump right in and uh, introduce the guest of the show. We've got uh, Brandon Bowlby all the way from New York City. How's it going, guys? It's going good. So, uh, Brandon, uh, we're, we're going to talk about a great band today. A we're very band. excited. And, and we should say who we're talking about. So the band mm-hmm. that we've chosen... Uh, mutually between the three of us is uh Sigurups, the Icelandic post-rock band um can I just jump in right here and say like are you guys confident in the way that you're saying this band's name Sigurups? like how are we saying the g I've I've often been confused about this Sigur Sigur we're going hard g Okay. So what's the other options? Oh, it's like a soft G. I am so confused about Icelandic as uh, everyone listening will uh, come to find out throughout this episode. Well, I'm going to be really bad at the album names. I feel like back in high school, I made an effort to like click on the like how to say Seeger Rose. (laughs) I don't like my memory's gone, but I'm pretty sure I like learned it back in the day and I'm pretty close. Oh, I feel good about that. I feel good about that. All right. Well, you know, Shan, you're you're like a linguistics expert, so you you're probably more uh, assigned languages. I know, but you also really <laughs> like linguistics, though. You've always liked linguistics, and so. Um, oh, know, so putting it on me. Put it on me. Well, I'm just saying that for all the other linguistic ex- experts out there, um, we are going to be having a rough time with some of the album names and the song names. Um, I think some of us might even just choose to not attempt to uh, say some of the names. Um, it just, you know, we're not, we're not Icelandic, you know, but. Um, I'd be using numbers a lot of the time. Mm, yes. But, you know, uh, that, that kind of leads us into, um, you know, I don't know how much they care about the pronunciation of um, their, their lyrics or their song names and stuff, just because they're, they're known for having, a uh, a made up language as part of their lyrics. Mm, fair point. So and then like one of their albums has uh, no song names. It's just track one or untitled one. And so I mean we'll get to all of this. Um, yes. I feel like I'm doing a poor job setting up the band. I, well, be- I jumped in. You did interrupt, but that's okay. <laughs> um, just <laughs> the 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 band Seeger Rose is an Icelandic post rock band. Like I said, and they are known for making incredibly cinematic. Um, rock music that's uh totally beautiful but can get pretty heavy at some parts epic 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 is a great word to describe this. i'm and really excited to hear you guys talk about these albums <laughs> what about you i'm excited for your <laughs> no, well i know what i'm gonna say i'm excited okay. to hear you guys okay cool 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 um as long as you're excited too um i feel like we should just jump right in uh there mm-hmm. are seven albums that we're going to talk about um and Shan's going Shan's gonna to go over the basic concept of the show with us. But before we jump into the actual meat and bones of the show, where we go over their entire discography, um, we got some warm-up questions just to set the table for 
for the band themselves and for you know our general thoughts of the band. So, yeah, this is um, when I saw these questions, uh, I think this might be my favorite part. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like uh, so. Yeah. Let's just jump right into um, the best, the best opening track. Brandon. Yeah. I'm so curious. Okay. My yeah, my number one opening track, and I think this has been the case for a long time, not just this re-listen, is the sorry, it's the one-two banger off talk. Uh the one minute intro talk leading into Glossoli, the yeah. epic, epic second track. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't sure where we were standing with intros. They they're yeah. they got some intros. That's just like my one exception because it's just like a and they blend into each other. It's basically one. No, that's good. That's good. I even think maybe their music video on YouTube combines the two. Mm. I think. But yeah. That legitimizes it a yeah. little bit more. Uh, there was another album that I thought had a... Oh, the the intro and the second, like the one, two tracks on... Oh, God. Agatis Björgen? Björgen? Yeah. That yeah. sounds good. Björgen. That's pretty good. I usually say Agenda's Bjorn, but, you know, uh, I could be sure. saying it wrong. So, uh, you know, we're all trying Bjorn? our best. We're all trying our best. Do you say it, Okay. So the one-two punch. That, that one's pretty good. I, I mm. was having a hard time coming up with, like, a favorite. You guys oh, the one that. punch okay, on that one is good. is a long, a longer one punch. Is it? Okay. Right. Well, it's called But it's still fine. That's true. It's literally called I wouldn't do, I wouldn't consider Agenda's Bjorn's uh, one-two punch just because the intro is like pretty long. It's like, I feel like that's its own song of itself completely. I feel like talk is more of a one-two punch. For me, I chose gobbledygook um, because that, I feel like that really leads you into the feeling of that album perfectly. And if you're listening to that on headphones, it's like left, right, left, right. And it just like catches your ears instantly. Oh my gosh. It's so Those acoustic strums. You guys, I think my number one though was um, the opening track on uh Kvikir. okay i really like how dark that that song is. oh shit yeah <laughs> industrial yeah. Oh, and then it's it just... it's pretty shocking especially in like within their discography when that yeah. happens yeah i mean we'll, we'll get there we'll definitely yeah. get there um so best closing track this was i'm out on this one like i was really struggling with this question i got it i got it um okay. So, hold on. Let me just say, let me just say real quick that I do think that Secret Roast doesn't have as strong of closing tracks as they do opening tracks. Just, yeah, just I like, was gonna. Uh, well, one thing I was gonna say is kind of the opposite is that uh, I feel like Secret Rose, besides parentheses, which is like the most epic ending ever, uh, for the most part they go the opposite. They go like extra mellow for a lot of their closers but i'm always surprised with like how even more beautiful their closing mellow songs are than some of their like mid track or mid album mellow songs are Mm. Um, so my number one that i chose is off agentus bjorn um it's called avalon and it's like this really droney like almost fog horn sound Mm. and in the middle of the track it like peaks to just this 20 second melody and then it just like van- like fades away over the next two minutes after that. But it's just like the most beautifully perfect ending to this masterpiece. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you you mentioned mine before, um, Untitled Eight, the last yeah. track on parentheses. Like, how can it not be that one? Like, that song is just so freaking crazy epic. 
it's uh, just yeah, so for sure. much like it starts out in a certain place and then it ends with like the most madness ever and it's just it's just so freaking good so mm-hmm. um yeah i had to go with that one also i feel like they they close with that one a lot too like when on their shows online, yeah they yeah. know that's the most loud song they've ever written yeah, <laughs> loud um okay um best single usually i say radio single but i don't know if they've ever had a song play on the radio before so um best yeah best single um mine is the third track off talk which is Hopapoli. Yeah, that's why I had to. Mm, I had The little piano. Yeah, I feel like that is in many ways, like I, I wouldn't say that's my favorite Seagro song by like a long stretch, but I do mm-hmm. think that embodies like everything that is, um, is like, I don't know, kind of catchy about Seagros. Yeah. Do you want to ask this next one or should I? Oh uh, yeah. So there's a couple that I thought of last minute. Um, Best album artwork, guys. Um, honestly, I got stuck with this one um, in that um, I think that you know, for me, the best kind of album artwork is when the al- the artwork like represents the, the feeling of the of the album itself. And mm-hmm. I felt like both Agendas Bjorn and um, Medsuit I Emporium. That yeah. one, <laughs> um, I feel like I feel like both of those um, totally for me perfectly represent that album. Like. That second one, Medsudai, like they're running naked. There's th- th- four people running naked through a field. And it's yeah. like, yep, that is that album. That is the album where you run, you get, take your clothes off and you jump over a fence and you just run through the grass. And uh, that's perfect. And then uh, Agentus Bjorn for me is just like, that one is, it's like a baby. It's a, it's, I mean, it's like an alien baby, but still it's like. Dude, that freaks me out. It's, it's like, like an angel wing baby. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why that that one. I don't know because it kind of looks comical to me. I just like can't get yeah. into it. But see, I I do like naked people. Yeah, see, I just love <laughs> and uh, I also really liked the parentheses artwork. It's good. I don't know. It was just like simple. Yeah. White and well, they, it's even cooler on the actual like album sleeve. Like I I I thought of this question because this was back like in high school and I was actually buying all these and looking at them all the time like when I'd actually pull the CD out and put it in my car stereo. Um, so yeah, but my favorite actually, I think is Voltari just for oh, the album. Oh, this yeah. like floating ship out in the ocean, like levitating in the sky. Well, that does seem like, like your, your aesthetic. Oh, okay. <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? <laughs> but no, it's really, it's really cool. Like uh, it's really haunting too. I like it a lot. It is. The haunting. Color- that's the, that's the word. Mm-hmm the uh i really like the colors on that one too that bluish green like uh haze on that one is really yeah. cool and again that one too i feel like represents the album really well all of them all of them represent the album pretty well like guys they, this they, band is got, like pure art they really are i mean it's gonna be a struggle for us through this episode to not be just saying uh most beautiful, beautiful thing ever <laughs> you know yeah. like we're going to have to try really hard to be creative with our word choice. We talked about this before we started recording. Let's but get just, our thesauruses out. Yeah, because you just want to say, oh my God, pure art, uh, so beautiful, most beautiful thing ever, so epic. And we will probably repeat these things over and over again, but still, uh, it's just... So we apologize for our lack of vocabulary. They're just, they're just so good. They're just so good. This yeah. band is so good. Um, 
So another fun question I came up with uh, pretty quick is best album title. And you can even go by the translation or whatever. Well, which one do you like saying? I'm all in on parentheses. Yeah. It's like, what's that's going pretty, on? You know? like, <laughs> it's like a pretty great concept to name your album, just yeah. parentheses. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. Ballsy. Yeah. Um, honestly, for me, um, probably talk. Um, just because of the translation, honestly. It translates to thanks. Dot, dot, dot. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, dot, dot, too. And, Ellipsis. And, and uh, I, just, I just think of that, that album to me is, you know, I don't mean to read into it too much, especially when we're not even there yet. But I think that that name, again, uh, incorporates what the feeling of that album is in a, in a strong way. I agree with both of you. Those are my top two. Uh, I probably would say uh, Talk would be my number one. Just like Thanks is such a cool album name. But uh, Parentheses is just like super weird and experimental. You know, it's like almost naming your album untitled, but even more creative or something like that. How about uh, Valtari roughly translating to Steamroller? Is that what? I didn't read that. (laughs) I think Google Translate might be off on that one. Yeah. (laughs) Um, well, uh, you know, uh, have you, I mean, I, I know the answer to this, but, um, have you guys seen, uh, Sega Roast live? Twice yes. with you. Yeah. Me and Shannon saw them twice together. Brandon, why don't you tell us about your experiences? I can't count them all. I mean, it's not that many, but I can't like remember <laughs> to count every single one, but it's between three or four. And I think two of them stand out to me. There's, I definitely saw them at, um, uh, uh california palm springs coachella at coachella yeah i definitely saw my coachella with like john and david and who went that year with me um and i also saw them um at the like paramount theater in seattle so those are like the two big yeah. forms but i swear i've seen them at sasquatch one or two times besides that i can't yeah. remember we uh we saw them the day after you saw them at the paramount uh, in oregon they played okay. at an oh. amphitheater and we went, we went camping, like we set up our camping. God, do you remember what that place was called? Edgefield. Yeah, it was Edgefield. We saw Edgefield, yeah, yeah. which is like the McMenamins, like yeah. winery. Yeah, it's an awesome venue. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we, we, we went camping. We set up our tent and stuff. And then we went and then we drove to the venue. And it was like, it was a magical show. That was like one of those shows where like, there's a picture of me and Shannon after the show. And uh, like, there's like tears in my eye. What? Or my oh. eyes are like kind of red, but. Also, that leads into another part of the story where, like, the sun was going down. The sun was going down. It was and, beautiful. Beautiful scenery. Sun's going down. They're starting to play, right? And, well, like, they, they played a few songs. Sound. Yeah, yeah, They played a few songs. And then, like, we, me and a friend, I don't want to out anyone, but me and a friend and Chen, we, like, sat on the ground, like, a few songs in, and we, like, smoked a blunt, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. right, like, in the middle of the show, you know? And oh, then we I stood up. And the sun had gone down, like in between when we started smoking, when we finished, and we stood up, and the sun had gone down, dark. and the light you just lost track of time. Came out, and then the show started rocking. You know, it was like the parentheses thing, where like I mean, they the first, did that in. I mean, yeah, you know, they, they, did they, they like purpose, felt, where, they had like a nice bright opening, yeah. and then like got real dark, got, red yeah. lights. It was yeah. It was pretty. Mm-hmm. It's pretty it was, magical. It was crazy. Oh, magical is yeah. the word. I that was one of those, That was one of those like shows where it was just like it was when when it finished. I was just like out of breath. I was just yeah, so absolutely. like I was breathless. And uh, you know there were a band where for years I didn't think I was ever going to see them live, and then uh, all of a sudden they were touring and I got to see them multiple times. So right. uh, very it was probably lovely. off their Voltari tour, right? Probably. 
Um, because I think I saw him off of Volatari and Kverker. Hmm. Yeah, because we saw him at Sasquatch like yeah. the next year. Yeah. Well, then, so I just want to ask you guys: uh, Is have has your feelings or opinion of the band changed over time? Mm. Over I, starting this project, or just like in general, uh, just over the years. I mean, I know that all of since us since high school. To them since high school. Well, so. for me, I I don't know. You guys, I said this earlier. You guys have like a a more extensive um, history with this band. Um, this was definitely like the most I've ever explored them, and like a lot of their albums I'd never listened to before. I was. Oh yeah i didn't know that uh, my history is slightly different i think i've like listened to naked people one metsutherum mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah and like just more in passing honestly like with you i've like it's always been around but like this was a deep dive like first for me okay. i didn't know it was so new to you that's really i cool. mean i got really into cubic here when it came out it made my top 10 that year like pretty high i think and like I, but i've never really gone like super deep in wow maybe any of their other albums okay damn so, go on that's cool <laughs> so my feelings have changed you know yeah oh i feel like it's it's a budding relationship that i'm starting to form with this fan and like i could see it going in a lot of directions in the future (laughs) because they're pretty they're pretty um what's the word i'm looking for they uh go in a lot of different sounds they you know like they they encompass a lot of different feelings thank you right they like have they have a lot of feelings that was kind of what i was going to say was that for me like i feel like i've connected to different albums and different parts of my life um because i personally i think all of their albums are are really great even they're even the one i'm gonna have number seven i feel like is like i've had my moments with that album i feel like they've all been they're all great albums and uh, i feel like uh, just because they're so emotional, I've connected to them at different times when I've been going through different things. And uh, I'll probably speak to that when we go through them and stuff, but um, I don't think my opinion has necessarily changed. You're like, this band yeah. sucks yeah. now. <laughs> They've always been just like jaw-dropping and amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is one of the few bands that have held strong for me since like end of high school, college. Because even back then, I always said would, I would put them in my top three favorite bands of all time back then. And when I go back, their albums like haven't aren't dated at all. They're just as perfect and masterful as ever. Um, you know, the like string of albums mid career is just still as shockingly perfect as it was back then when I listened to it. And it's really cool that that hasn't changed in my head. Right, you listen to like brand new or something now. It's like or like other things we used to listen to in high school and it's like it's like more like nostalgic than like yeah 100 new new feelings but this is still like the best of the best is still here and that hasn't changed in my head yeah that's so they're not cheesy like like some other bands you might have connected with like (laughs) yeah back then like where the cheese gets unveiled going back and listening to coney cambria now it's like oh yeah okay Mm -hmm. yeah i get it uh pull the trigger and the nightmare stops and you're like oh okay (laughs) i don't know about that line you're gonna join us on our uh, on our coheed episode oh yeah i'll be back next next week we're doing coheed um so yeah i don't know uh what I, I guess I skipped I think I, we I need skipped to just, my question. Okay. Let's yeah, let's I just jump right just in. Jump in because we're wait, wait, I'm sorry. I love this segment and I have the biggest question to ask. Okay. Okay. This is like the bigger question of all these. 
what's the best, what's your favorite Seeger Rose song? Like we talked about first tracks and last tracks, but out of all the tracks, just Guys, what is I, it? I like, can't, I like struggled so hard with this. Like, mm-hmm. I think, I, I think somebody else has to go first. Pass for you? Okay. Pass. Yeah. I mean, I think that I hate to say it, but like, I think mine is a pretty obvious one. Like, I think mine is Sven G. Inglar off of uh, Agentus Bjorn. I just, I think that that's their best song. I think it's uh, super, it's cinematic. It's just beautiful. It feels like a baby is being born into the world. Like, that's what that song feels like oh to my me. God. I think yeah. it's just, yeah, okay. just tears rolling down my face because life is beautiful. Yeah. And that- I know that's like obvious. But I think that's no, actually it wasn't obvious to me. I had no idea what you're going to say. Like something more obvious would have been like the ending of parentheses. But my number one is one I discovered recently. And I actually remember texting you about it like last year, Nick, when I was going back listening to a Genesis Bjorn, but it's off the same album, uh, track eight, Olsen, Olsen. Oh yeah. And it's the one yeah. with the epic horn ending. And yeah. then like the crowd cheers along with yeah. the melody yeah. at the end. And yeah, that song really hits me hard. So Shane, you didn't you didn't, ha- you didn't have a favorite song? Well, no. I mean, it's God. a big it's a big question. It was really. I mean, now that you guys know that this was like this was a big undertaking. I feel like mm-hmm. there was like almost too much to take into like then be like yeah. that is definitely my favorite song uh, because there's so many good standout songs. Yeah. So I don't know. I agree with both of you guys. Oh. Choices. Very diplomatic. Okay that's no it's fine yeah we've we've known these songs for a lot longer so yeah i can see how that's harder and i mean i feel like i feel like honestly with any band it's a it's a hard ask you know to say like what is your favorite song from that band but i feel like with a with a post-rock band that you're still like getting to know that's uh it's kind of tough that's kind of Mm toughy toughy okay should we jump into the podcast Uh, let's Let's do it okay so um like I said, this is the show where we, we pick a band and then we listen to their entire discography. Shannon's going to go over the concept of the show. Well, like you said, we do pick a band and this time we agreed on Cigarettes. We went our separate ways. We listened to their entire discography chronologically and from earliest to latest and made individual rankings of our favorite, least favorite to favorites however you want to look at it, best to worst. Now we're coming back together. We're going to compare our lists and ultimately make like a somewhat of a master list combining the three. Right. That's exactly right. Thanks. That was such a good explanation. That's how we do it. I'm, I'm not even being sarcastic. I, I think that you did that very succinctly. Oh, thanks. Um, the only thanks, thing, boo. The only thing is that we, um, we took the concept from the Top 10 show. Shout with, out Top 10 show. Yeah, with uh, John Roca and uh, that law. And uh, on that show, they punt whenever there's an album. They, it's a movie show for them, but they, uh, they punt when there's an album higher. And we don't use the word punt, but we'll, we like to have fun with it. And every episode, we have a different uh, catchphrase or, or word or, or sound effect. Yeah, artist-specific. Artist-specific. Um, this one was a little complicated because uh, the Icelandic really, really threw a curveball for us. Yes. 
So what have we decided, you guys? Sell the high. I think we're just gonna go with go with a Jonesy. Well, Brandon had Brandon, you 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 had like a, a phrase for it. Like not not a phrase for the punt, but like what are we going for with this one? Is that what we're There's, saying? Yeah. There's phrases that Jonesy uses over and over again that I feel just get in your head and it ends up being all I end up hearing. And so if you're punting, just go ahead and sing a little Hope Landic. So, and that's just whatever you hear, you personally hear with Jonesy? Yeah, yeah, okay. definitely. Ooh, I got a good one. Okay, okay. Cool. So, it's kind of like last episode. Where I mean, we do did. you hear, what do you hear? I hear, yeah. That's pretty good. <laughs> that was really um, good. I specifically hear, is this your crazy uncle? Which Whoa. is really timely right now. Do you really um, hear that? The, yes, I've heard that like from the, yeah. Do you know what song I'm, what song I'm going for? No, okay. I have no idea. Okay. I have it written down. I will, I will get there. Okay, but Cool, we'll get there. Um, so yeah. But well, like um, for years and years of my life, oh, I hear, is this great. your crazy uncle? I like how yours <laughs> is just straight up English. Yeah, I mean, come so on. So we're going to start at the bottom. Uh, Shan's going to go first. And if you have an album higher, then we'll skip it. And uh, we'll talk about when it gets the highest. Okay. Um, so Shan. What is your number? Oh, I should I should say too, really quick, that we're doing seven albums. We're doing their seven studio albums. We're not doing any live albums. We're not doing any remix albums. Or soundtracks. Or, or soundtracks. EPs. Or, or comps. EPs. So we're just doing the seven studio albums that they have. So, uh, Shan, what is your number seven? All right, y'all. My number seven was Vaughn. Phew. Cool. That is my number seven, too. Wow. Okay. Wow, I really thought that was gonna be like a like a like a hipster duh. deep cut favorite. Well, wow. honestly, um, honestly, that was my number seven, but um, I switched it after a re-listen. We'll we'll get to it. Yeah. Um, okay. My number seven is Altari. It's so the high. <laughs> Can't even get through it. Amazing. I love it. I love it. it. Okay. So, Shan, what is your number? Wait. Okay. This is seven, six. Okay. My number six was Beltari. Wait. Why do we skip to six? Oh, because I did my seven. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Um, uh, a cell to high. That's higher than number six for me. So. Nice. Perfect. <laughs> You're getting right, so, better already. Yeah, that, 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 was, that was amazing. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. All right. Um, uh, so, my, so, no, because we skip it. Because okay. So my number. So now my number six is is Vaughn. So we talk about it now because okay, uh, Nick, you guys you, had it number seven. Would and you I had kindly number six. set the table. Yeah. So I'll set the table for Vaughn. Uh, Vaughn was was C. Rose's first first album. So that came out in 1987. It was. The label was a local Icelandic uh, record label called Smekla. A record label in Iceland. Yeah, Smekla. According to Wikipedia, the genres are post rock and ambient pop. And um, Vaughn translates the hope. And there was a remix album that came out in 1998 called Vaughn Brigotti. So. Guys, uh, you, you're not wrong. What you said before that you thought that this was going to be all of our number sevens, and it really, it really was. Like for me, it was locked in number seven for a while because I, I do think that this is their, um, their in a lot of ways. I think it's their weakest. I feel like it's, yeah, it's a band that's figuring out who they are still. For sure. Like they're not, they're not there yet. 
And um, I just, upon a second listen, I had a lot of fun with the second listen. And I'll be honest, Brandon, like we, we were talking about Shen, hadn't like had deep dive for the first time. I don't know if I'd heard this one before. I mm-hmm. honestly don't know if I'd ever listened to Vaughn from start to finish before. Yeah, it was the last album of theirs I heard yeah. back in the day. And um, I don't know, I, um, I, <laughs> I'm back in school right now and I think it's a perfect album to study to because it's like so ambient and there's like just kind of weird noises for a lot of it. And then there's like two or three songs where it just gets freaking crazy. Mm-hmm. Like there's that track. Um, it's like the record skipping at the end and oh like it's track, track three. I Dude, love track three. that. Yeah. Um, it's called uh, Hoon, Hoon Joro. And it's like, I wrote down, it feels like the first real song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's like, there's like screaming. It feels like a Tool song where there's just like elements of prog- progressive rock just like hitting you in the face. And then, yeah, like at the end, it does that weird like skip where it's like the record skipping and goes back for a second and then mm-hmm. it just ends. And I find that super powerful. Like I just, I just love it. And um, yeah. So to me, like I said, I think it's a perfect studying album. I think, I think I'm going to get really into it as I'm like, studying for school um Mm -hmm. right now because i feel like turn on and just rock out yeah there's a lot of just like non-songs on this album and later in their discography they'll like become better at turning those into like these really beautiful quiet moments but in this album it's more just like noise that just Mm -hmm. comes and goes for a while and then the next song happens and then throughout you know the 12 tracks there are a couple real songs in there but that was kind of my major issue um on top of that like uh on top of that there's it's just like not really mixed or recorded very well Uh, it's so obviously their first record and even those epic parts like you're saying in track three are just like nowhere near the quality that they just reach right on their next album with agentus bjorn it's like night and day with like what they can do in a studio um um i did like a couple songs on this one like track five mirker Okay. Like really reminded me of like '90s shoegaze. I was getting into it. It was sure. like Cocteau Twins. Like yeah, I get that. It. I get that. And then Vaughn was a really sweet song. Vaughn's really sweet. That was another one that stood out with my second listen. Honestly, that track oh. Vaughn might be the reason that I bumped it up. Is that what you like, texted us, Game no. Changer? Okay, because no. I'm so I'm so excited the to get there. Game Changer okay, okay, will okay. come back around. We'll get to that. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah i just just sweet album. Yeah. i don't think we need to spend too much time with it because it's definitely it's definitely their weakest and brand that's a great point that it's just not recorded as well like it just it's just not it just it's a little pc and stuff too like yeah so it's a band it's an album from a band who aren't fully discovered yet they don't really know who they are yet but mm-hmm. um so let's, let's move on um shannon what is your number five no, I need my number six. Yeah. Did I skip you? Oh my well, God. I, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Um, so my number six is Connect Your. You. Is a young crazy uncle. <laughs> Both of you guys? Okay, okay. Uh, great. So my I number knew- five is over. Yeah, so Shannon's number five. Hey guys, my number five is Convicure. <laughs> let's talk about it. My, my number five is also Convicure. Great, let's talk. Okay, okay so we're all, we're all pretty close with these. Yeah, people. yeah. So far, we're all within one. Yeah. So, so Brandon, you had Convicure the lowest. 
um, at number six. So you just had it as their second worst album. Yeah. Um, what's what's your thoughts and feelings on that? Um. So actually listening to it in the context of their discography, I think is maybe more fun than when Wait, it came out. Time out. Speaking of context, I forgot to set the table oh for it. So uh, let me set the table for your context before we start talking about the context. Okay. Um, Kavirka came out in 2013. It was their seventh album. So this is their most recent album. This is their last album at this point. Um, who knows? Which is a bummer, am yeah. I right? They're all just like doing their own family things. Yeah, and Yo 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 Yoni's also come out with a few. Um, Jonesy. Jonesy's come out with a few of his own albums, um, solo albums. But um, yeah, at this point, this is their last album, and no one knows if they're going to do another one. So this could be their last album. Um, the genres, according to Wikipedia, are post rock, dream pop, and industrial rock. Had four singles which seems like a lot for a band like i mean i just don't like totally understand singles to be honest okay go on uh brenstein uh stormer and rafa strumler man uh i I shouldn't even attempt that one that's that was pretty rough for me but um anyway uh the fun fact about this one i think brandon you may have put this in here was that the the keyboardist who was the like main guy who knew like music theory um he left the band before they recorded this album and uh, he did all the orchestration he was kind of like the musical genius behind the band um other than i guess jonesy and stuff yeah so they get more post-rocky in this in that way they probably get less so they probably become, I think they become think? more of just like a rock band. With I this guess album. that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I hear what you're saying. Dream pop. We love reading the Wikipedia genres. Did we mention that? Because I ain't so always, sure about dream pop on you know, here. It's so random. It's like, what's going on there? So we just find it funny. But dream I pop do like the industrial rock. Yeah, though. That, that makes right. sense. That feels, that feels right. So Brandon, I'm sorry I interrupted you before. Yep. I really apologize. So you were saying that in the context of their, of their discography. In the context of their discography, it's, it was more refreshing on this listen. Um, like different than you, Shannon, is I actually didn't get this album much time of day when it came out. And, you know, it's still number six for me. And so it's not my favorite. Um, but it was kind of like a breath of fresh air after like Voltari's complete opposite aesthetic as this album, you know, just right away that intro hit so hard. Um, but besides that, I, it still isn't something I feel like I'm going to go back to all that much. Um, and it wasn't when it came out. I don't think even now after listening to it much, um, it's just, I don't know the, the vibe on it isn't something I feel like I can put on very often for me. And it just doesn't connect with me too much. Um, though one of the highlights, I think they have great, um, ending tracks and there's just like a really beautiful wrap up on this album. That's like three minutes long that I really liked. It's kind of like old school Seager Rose at the very end of this album. Yeah. Um, I, this is, this is the part of my list, like where I put it in number five and like, I mean, like I was, I was telling Nick, I was really struggling to like get my numbers right because I love this album and it ended up at number five. Like, here's the point. There's always a point at which like in the discography, I'm like, okay. And the rest of them are all my favorites. (laughs) Like they're all so good. Um, I really loved this album. I I bought it on vinyl. I remember like. It was very, very dark and cool, and I just drove around and listened to it a lot. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think this album is, um, 
I mean, I hear what you're saying, Brian, about the vibe of it. Like, I think this album is just, it's, it's their darkest album in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also really hard. You know, I feel like this, this album more than anything else they've done is more like purely a rock album. And that goes back to what we were saying before about the keyboardist. But like, I think that like, this is so much more just like straight up, like straight up, just like we're angry about the world mm. and we're going to be banging on our instruments because we're I pissed honestly, off I honestly have to disagree Okay, because Ooh. like what, what I, what I appreciated this time around in the context of the discography was like it still incorporated like elements of their brighter albums like they still had horns coming in and like this like kind of organic percussion sound like I don't know that first track or the, maybe the second track had like what sound I know what like you mean. yeah yeah so... made out of spoons or something you right, know like right, this right. um and like Sigaros does this cool thing where they don't just like have a drum set playing like for every song they like what can we make like utilize as a drum sound and it's something that you just have never heard before yeah and yeah but I mean it was very dark but I I don't I wouldn't it's it's very dark and rocky but I I think it's still like incorporated some like really creative elements that um absolutely absolutely and i mean like i definitely wrote down the spoons thing i mean when we saw them at sasquatch <laughs> like they had just like they had the, the spoons like hung up spoons? on like a, yeah it was literally like they had they had spoons like hung up on a like you know on a drum set and so like during the song he was just like he was just hitting the spoons oh, with shit. a mallet you know i never was, saw pictures of that it was, it was so cool i was like i was blown away by that and like that's what it sounds like on the album it's just like like he's just mm-hmm. smashing spoons together but um i actually wrote down uh on the song is jockey which is one of the singles um like two minutes in it becomes like really like light like the tone like changes mid-song and yonzi uh i keep saying his name wrong uh, i mean is that jonesy. What you're supposed to say his jonesy name? just uh starts with his normal high-pitched thing that he's known for but he doesn't really do it that much throughout this album like that that you know sweet optimistic like sound that he makes Ooh. yeah and, <laughs> and it's like he he starts doing it like two minutes into the song and it's like to me it really stood out because it was like all the chaos of the rest of the album like they're just throwing stuff throwing this hard rock uh into the wall into a pile of spoons and uh and for for like two minutes like it's peaceful and it's optimistic and it's like in the middle of all this chaos and i just i found that moment like really like powerful and inspiring um just in the middle of chaos you can still just just have something really really nice Mm -hmm. but what do you guys think of the like kind of edm influences on this album No, know. you don't hear it. I don't really. Yeah, I'm more like I'm more getting the 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 prog rock. Yeah, tell okay. me more about what you're thinking with that. I don't know, I just like hear with those just loud synths that they don't use anywhere else in their discography. Like I feel like they're kind of influenced by the like 2010s like heavy mm-hmm. club like- sounds, the <laughs> like just like glitchy mm. heavy noises. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I hear what you mm, mean. Totally, yeah. The, um, the crunchy, the crunchy beats and stuff. Yeah, yeah. You thing. know what I think? I think it's mm. beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's magical. Chan's gonna go the other direction. Start saying mm-hmm. beautiful <laughs> and magical and uh, art more, more so. Just lean into it. Um, cool. Well, I think we can go on to the next album. So, uh, 
So that was Shen's number five, my number five too. So Brandon, what was, what was your number five? My number five is Voltari. Okay, cool. Um, that was my number seven and Shen's number number six. six. So yeah, let's talk about real quick. Let me set the table for it. Um, Ooh, good memory. Yeah, I remember this one. Um, Voltari was their sixth album. So this is their second to last. This came out right before Kiverker and it came out in 2012. So just a year before, um, the label was, parlophone which i think is an american label like i think at this point they're releasing stuff like um like 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 not not just on their icelandic records anymore um the genres are post-rock ambient and dream pop which again dream pops in there like is c rose ever dream pop maybe i don't know what dream pop is but i always thought dream pop was like starfucker you know so yeah i'm really enjoying like the amount of times you've said the word pop so yeah. far <laughs> um so the singles on this one were icky muck and varud um so again i probably butchered the heck out of those but um brandon you had this one the highest um yeah, I think this is this is interesting because we all three have these three albums, um, you know, at number seven, six, and five in different or kind of different orders: Vaughn, Kanaku, and Voltari. Their first and their last two, and then everything above that, we're probably going to have, you know, top four but different orders as well. Um, to me, there's a big break between these bottom three and the top three for me, yes. like and quality. Yes. Um, and so we're still on like the bottom three quality with Voltari for me. Um, but I just, I, on the opposite of Connector, this is like their quietest, most gentle, um, serene album. Uh, it's, it is also a lot of noise, but just like really intricate and delicate and well crafted to me. Um, it doesn't reach the heights of their other albums, but I feel like this is just something I can listen to more often than the two I put below it. Mm-hmm. Um, my story with this album is I got into Seeger Rose when, um, you know, Naked People Dance Through the Field album came out in like 08 or 09. When that album came out, I got into the band and then went backwards. So Voltari is the first album I was able to anticipate coming out with Seeger Rose being my favorite, one of my favorite bands of all time. So this was like a big That's release to me was waiting for Voltari to come out. I was like freaking out. I even... Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. And then, oh, like this is like their decline. Um, though it's still beautiful. Uh, but I, I got this album, like the CD at opening day. I remember having a like little album release, like listening party in my bedroom with Kelly and David. Like we're all sitting on the floor, just like laying down, listening to this on my speakers. Um, so yeah, this is kind of like a big album release to me. But yeah, you guys want to go? No, I just, I remember, uh, I remember that time period too. And I remember like, this is kind of what I was saying before, where like, I didn't think that I was ever going to see Seagrose live. Like, I thought that they were just done after a talk. I thought that was just, that might have just been the end of their career. So, not talk. The, Naked um, people running through. Yeah, Medsudai, Urium, Viaspilium, Endolust, that one. But yeah, I thought that was going to be just, I thought maybe they were just done. For whatever reason, it just, the break it was so long that I just was convinced I was never going to see them live. And then Voltari, it was like, uh, okay, uh, they're coming out with a new album. It was just like so shocking and surprising that it was actually happening. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it was like a little overhyped or something. But yeah, Brandon, I'm totally with you. This album still is like very beautiful. 
like I know I had that number seven as their the you know the bottom of my list. But. I mean, it's a little shockingly different than the album before, but I mm-hmm. it is so it's so nice and like I would love to turn this on and like get into it more, but like just. From my listen, it ended up pretty low on the list, mostly because it was like, it, okay, yeah, that, I, I gave it a listen, and it didn't didn't like, well, stand out to me that much, you know. So for me, um, going back to it is it's kind of what you said, Brandon, about the, the tone for Kavuker, how you, like you can't really see yourself going back to that tone too often, mm-hmm. and I kind of feel the same way about Voltari, where I feel mm-hmm. like Voltari is it's to me it's an incredibly lonely album, you know, it's like it's like that the cover the ship out at sea like lost you know in the in the fog (laughs) like Mm -hmm. that's what this album is to me it's like it's like just being like isolated and lonely and um great covid album and like sad you know and so like i just i don't find myself going back to it because it's just like that that tone is just something that i'm gonna go somewhere else yeah i get that and like you, like you said, Shan, it's pretty shocking that this comes after their most streamlined, uh, you know, catchy, popular album and that's I'm before. I'm kind of bad for you in, in 2012. <laughs> and yeah, and they just like take this left turn to just like, you know, I guess loneliness and way more chill vibes on this. But Which, uh, what stood out very, to me? Very zeros to like keep you on your toes like that. Like they're mm-hmm. not going to settle into one groove well, and yeah. then also, like, if I remember correctly, uh, uh, um, Yonzi put out a solo album during that time called, like, in between those two albums called Go. And that was, like, even more upbeat and, like, poppy than... <laughs> even more, yeah. ...than the Naked People Running Through the Woods album. And uh, so I feel like Voltari was almost a response to, to Go being so poppy where they went far in the other direction of, like, just, like... You know, we're Ambience. yeah, we're sitting on a cliff in Iceland, writing songs together and hugging each other, sort of thing, rather than you know being full of energy. Which is a little fun. little track analysis here. Um, I think one of my favorite tracks is the second one. I don't have too much to say besides it's just like a really beautiful, like all the way through, along with the closing track, which is like the most delicate little piano notes for seven minutes but i really like the final track on this album as well um the epic third album piano that one's that translates to four pianos oh the name of that one okay (laughs) makes sense the um the epic third album which is them trying to do their like typical sigaros-ness that they're really known for doesn't come across as like I don't know, as well put together as almost all the other times they attempt that in their past four albums for me. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah. It's, I think it's funny that we're like, we're like, yeah, I mean, none of us are really like that interested in this one, but it's still like, it's so. Well, there's, yeah. there's a playlist on Spotify that someone made. Like, I don't know who made it, but um, it might have even, it might even be like an official Seager Rose playlist. And I'm looking at it now and I guess it says it's by the Seager Rose. So either that's a person that like just stole their name or they made this playlist, but it's mm-hmm. called, the playlist is called Seager Rose X Piano. 
so it's just like it's just their nice piano songs and oh, so it's a lovely it's a really lovely playlist to listen to like i really recommend it if you're listening if you're just looking for something peaceful to turn on and uh there's a bunch of songs from this album on that on this right on yeah. the playlist like it fits in perfectly to that that sort of vibe um i mean i feel like i feel like we've said enough about that Oh, yeah. well, I think we should take a quick break because like Brandon said to himself that the um that there is a clear definition of their discography at this point. So I think we should just take a quick break. Uh we'll be back in just a couple minutes and um do the final four albums. Perfect. Hi, I'm Nick Moffat. I'm Derek. I'm Brandon. I'm Sean. And we're the Monthly Movie Dispatch. We're old friends, and we've been talking about movies for 15 years. On our podcast, we talk about the newly released movies coming out, and we share our honest opinions about it. Like, for example, quick, speed round. Derek, signs are unbreakable. Signs. Sean, Schindler's List or Jaws? Schindler's List. And Brandon, Christopher Nolan or David Fincher? David Fincher. All right. So we're all over YouTube, Spotify, the Apple Podcast app, and anywhere else you can find an RSS feed. Hope to see you listening soon. Okay, so we're back from our break. Uh, thanks for taking the break with us. And uh, I, I just want a second. Brandon just said right before we started how excited he is about the final four, and I, I agree completely. Like this is like, I feel like the first three were pretty obvious that it was going to work out that way. But like, I, I really don't know what. Um, I think I know Order, what brands. I think I know what brands number one is going to be, but I have Did no you, idea what Shan's going to be. Do you have you have it in your head what Brandon's number one might be? I yeah. want to know if you guys are. I mean, you guys have been having this conversation for like. 10 years or more yeah. years like it's just selling brandon on break that like i remember i don't even really remember when i first heard cedar rose but i remember just being around you guys talking about them yeah. and being like what are these album titles you guys are talking about yeah. naked people parentheses like what is happening yeah and i think i know what nick's number one's gonna be but you said you had that revelation so i'm excited for when you tell us what your revelation I was i feel like maybe we're hyping <laughs> yeah. it up too much yeah. but let's keep. okay <laughs> you might you might be hyping it up too much but we'll, we'll, uh, i heard it was a really big revelation i am really excited about that because i do think these final four are like all masterpieces in their own right hundred percent. So, uh, yeah, I feel like we should just get into it. So Shannon, what is your number four? You guys, this was very difficult. My number four was parentheses. That was, that is my number four. What? I really wanted to put it higher, but that's where it ended. That is where it ended. And that's new for me. I think it would usually go one ish slot higher. Yeah. Um, yeah. I but mean, it went to number four this time. Yeah, same with me. Guys, this is a it first. This so is a let, podcast first. Yeah. That's, yeah, I th- yeah, I think this might be the first where we all three of us have had uh, a, 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 an album, any album at the same spot. Yeah. But, um, okay, let's go over this really quick. Um, parentheses, that's what the album is, just two parentheses. Um, it came out in 2002. It was released on Fat Cat. Um, they produced it with Ken Thomas. The genres, according to Wikipedia, are post-rock, art-rock, and ambient, which I think makes sense, depending mm-hmm. on whatever art-rock means. Uh, sing- <laughs> the singles, the single is um, Untitled Number One, or Vaca. And, uh, you know, I got some fun facts for this one, too. Um, so with this album, they, they've done this in the past, but the lead singer, uh, Yonzi, sang all the album's lyrics entirely in Hopelandic, which is a made up language consisting of gibberish words. So part of it is Icelandic and part of it's just made up gibberish. And that's, 
that's what the lyrics of this album are. Um, I'm pretty confused about this, but we'll get there. Like, well, well, they they go over they they have used it in, on previous albums, but yeah. with parentheses, like that's all this is. I know, but like, okay, track one, it is. The, I thought it was just like English. Mm-hmm. No. I didn't hear anything. And when I and then when <laughs> I looked up the lyrics, the lyrics were in English. Wait, <laughs> I'm what? so confused. Okay, go on. Well, maybe you've discovered something that we don't know because I actually haven't looked up the lyrics on this album at all. Like I've translated. Because I wasn't sure which. I knew there was an album that was in Atlantic, but when I when I was listening to it, I was like, "Wait, it must be this one." But this just sounds like English. It was very confusing. Uh, anyway, go on. Okay. Well, either way, um, this one was a was a hit. You know, the, it did top the Billboard. It was on number fifty one on the Billboard Top two hundred, which I know isn't like Taylor Swift numbers, but I mean, you know, it's it's on the Billboard Top two hundred for a post rock Icelandic band. You know, that's that's something. Um, Another thing was that this album, the band refers to it as Svigplanton, which translates to the Bracket Album. So they call it the Bracket Album, not necessarily parentheses. Oh, I like that. I'm going to start doing that. Um, My number four was the Bracket Album. No, they'll know what you're talking about. (laughs) They'll know, yeah. They they don't know. In in Iceland, they'll know. (laughs) So um, from the previous albums, they had a new drummer with this album. Um, which I didn't realize that's that's yeah that kind of stands out and then um, all three albums up to this point had been 71 minutes long holy really you added that in there Brandon I added these last two so yeah the drummer is new on this album then sticks with the band for after this Um, which is interesting because I when I read that I was listening to it at the time and the drumming aesthetic is kind of similar like he still uses a lot of brushes like even on the heavy songs he's using brush sticks and they were doing that on their previous albums as well um but about the time length i thought that was weird because all three of their first three albums just bjorn vaughn and parentheses are also exactly like 71 minutes and a few seconds long like did they do that on purpose i don't know like it was just really weird and then everything after that is like under an hour or something it's definitely on purpose yeah i mean how would you how would you accidentally do that within a minute of that much time you could you can play with that right that's true yeah There's literally like a noiseless, like long part of this, the middle of the album. It's like an intermission almost. It's like 40 like seconds long. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. And I mean, I think that's there for a reason. I mean, the thing is this you album. You to make it 71 minutes no, long. No, I mean, yeah, yeah, definitely. But, and, but that doesn't, the thing about this album is that like, I think what the parentheses mean is that there's, there's two, there's two halves of this album. Oh, I think, from what I understand. And you know, I, this isn't like an original thought for me. I oh, was okay. kind of reading about, you know, <laughs> I was kind of reading about like this album a bit. And the, the idea is that like the first half of this album is like very peaceful and optimistic about the world. And then the second half is like, like more nihilistic and yeah, more like angry and like distressing about the world. Um, which that was very apparent to me this listen through. Like there's two different moods in this album and that intermission really splits it. Yeah. And I mean, like I, I mentioned it earlier, number like number eight, like rocks out so hard. And it's not even just like, you know, your normal, like just like get up and rock, like, you know, like it's not like a fist pump, like sort of rock. It's like, it's like, man, the world is falling apart, <laughs> sort of rock. And, yeah. uh, you know, I love it, but it's, it's dark, you know, it's, it's pretty serious. It's, it, there's this uh, live, uh, 
how, what is it? It's like, it's called Haim. It came out right around talk when that came out. Yes. And it's like them playing in different places in in Iceland, just like in fields at concert venues. And it films a lot of senior in Iceland. Anyways, that I owned that DVD. Yeah, and we watched it together. We actually, yeah. all three of us watched it together. I was oh, there, you guys. This is like shit. way back. That might have been one of Shan's first experiences at Heroes, actually. That wow. is probably that, guys. That's, that's really cool. Um, but I the final track, there. the final track or like scene in that film is the last song in parentheses. And that live performance on that DVD like blew my mind. I used to rewatch it all the time yeah. over and over again. Yeah, and... um. Yeah, I mean, there are a few other things that stood out for me. I wrote down the the light piano on number four is transcendent. Just the, it's just so beautiful. <laughs> Don't mean to keep Dude, using that. No, but, I man, feel that just... way about a lot of these songs, like um, dreamy, like, I don't know, but but kind of chilling. Like, I don't know, I was torn between all these different, like, subtle feelings. Um it's really, really and good. And also it has, I felt, I was hearing a lot of like riffs that were like pretty meditative. So like in the first like few tracks, it was like piano riff that was, that was like really beautiful, but also like I was just driving around listening to this being like, you know, getting a groove, you know, yeah. and then. Um, yeah. I mean, Nick, when you said track four for the piano, do you mean track three, the song that is the one piano line over and over again for six minutes? I might have. I might have. I been. also made a note about the piano. Yeah. Room. It's and just that like repeated awesome. little hook of a piano line just goes over and over. And it's the most gorgeous thing. Yeah. And at the and end. It's so, and it's also minimalist. Like, it's so minimal. The album is so minimalist, yeah. but like still like really powerful. I found that like so, like, I don't know, amazing. Yeah. There's in that, in that piano song, like it's such a long buildup. And there's not much else going on besides this one piano and some droning, but at the end for the climax, it just switches to a different, to a higher octave is all the piano does. Yeah. And right when it does that, your just whole body is just like, oh, yeah. like it's yeah. perfect. Yeah. And just everything comes together when it just reaches those higher notes. Oh my goodness. It's, mm-hmm. it's a full body experience. Yeah. So let me ask you real quick then, like why, you know, because I, I, was, I was surprised that it was number four. Honestly, I thought it was going to be higher. And I feel like growing up, um, this one was maybe their most acclaimed, you know, like when I was yeah. in high school, I feel like this was the one where it was like, you know, the cool kids, you know, were like, oh, privacy yeah. was where it's at, you know? And I got that vibe too. Why, why do you think you had it a little bit lower? I think two reasons. One is, and it's not that it went lower, but another album went higher for okay. me okay. and overtook it a little bit mm-hmm. unexpectedly. And then another is maybe in the darker half, like around track six, or maybe it is just track six. It's just like a little underwhelming for maybe one track-ish while still being great. But in the context of Seager Rose, it's just not like, there's just one or two tracks that don't hit perfectly in the latter half. Um, And that's just it. And those are such small reasons, but that's why it's, the lower of the four good ones. Yeah, for me, I, I, I remembered there being more tracks that like rocked out like number eight did. And uh, so maybe I was a little, like I remembered it incorrectly apparently because number eight's really the only one that like really goes all out with the rock. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I thought that maybe there were, there were more. And uh, apparently there, apparently there's only one. <laughs> so, so um, you just listen to it a lot of times. Yeah, apparently. So I, that I think that's why I had a little bit lower because 
if if it is an album where there's optimistic on one side and like nihilism on the other side or distressing on the other side it i felt like maybe it didn't you know nail the the darkness as yeah much like as kind it. of i was saying the latter half is missing a little bit yeah. for me as well yeah especially maybe with like you know with nuki verker like how that one you know their final album is like is like so dark like right there in your face like you, we know that they can get to those levels mm-hmm. i just felt like maybe they weren't there yet or something mm-hmm. but this was so. fun i'm really excited to like continue listening to this one though you guys Sam. Yeah, to me, this album is still like masterpiece level. Like it's a nearly perfection. And so, even though it's number four, yeah, it's great though. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, Okay, so let's let's move on. I can't believe it. Wow. So that was all of our number fours. So, um, so Shannon, what was your number three? (laughs) I'm getting like so excited, (laughs) guys. My number three was Metsuthiram. Yeah. That's my number three. That's my number three, too. (laughs) Holy shit. Wow. Holy. Wow. Wow. This has never happened before. It happened during Portugal the Man when it was just me and you. Oh, yeah. That hardly counts. I wonder if it's it's because we only have seven albums and there is a clear deviation, but either way, it doesn't matter. Um, Let me set the table for this one. Um, So... Uh, this is their fifth album. So Med Sued I Inglium Vio Spilium and the Lost. I said it better. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you, always, you always do. You always do. Um, this one came out in 2008. It was released on EMI XL recordings. Um, Sigurose produced it with Flood. I don't know what Flood is, but um, the genres on Wikipedia are dream pop, indie rock, art rock, post rock, and folk rock. All the rocks. Yeah. Well, honestly, I kind of get dream pop with this album. Yeah, a little I shrugged, bit. but then I was like, oh, yeah, no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like, I, also, I also get folk rock with this one and indie rock. Like, this is their, like, to me, this is their indie rock album. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the one where they, like, really embraced, like, indie rock culture. Um, but uh, the singles are Gobbledygook, Ini uh, Mare, Singer, Vitalisiger, and uh, Vio, Spilium, and Delost. Um, so some of the fun track, fun facts, uh, the album title actually translates to with a buzz in our ears, we play endlessly, which and, is a really cool English phrase. Like yeah. that was yeah. just a normal English named album. That'd be pretty great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> with a buzz in our ears, we play endlessly. It's so post-rock too. It's like, uh, yeah. Explosions yeah. in the sky would name an album that. Yeah. <laughs> Those who tell the truth shall die. Those who tell the yeah, truth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's very much that vein. Yeah. Um, and the final you wrote this too, Brandon. Uh, the final track of the song features the band's first time singing in English. Um, all right. Oh, that might prove your little, yeah, your parentheses thing, I guess, yeah. still up for research. Well, but yeah, that's what I read. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Speaking of explosions in the sky, I was thinking about them a lot around this this time period. Like, where were they making... Were they influenced by Sigaros? Sigaros was a little before explosions. Okay. Slightly, like but right not much. Okay. But they were around the same time. I was though. just curious. Yeah. Like, yeah. Rose uses production to the max, and explosions is very much more rock instruments. Yeah, totally. 
Yeah. All right. Side, yeah, like side Sig- note. Sigurose uses like uh, strings and stuff a lot more than explosions yeah. ever did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, dudes, um, I love this album. Number three. I, I love this album. And Brandon, you know how much I love this album. This album to mm-hmm. me is like, it's so magical. It's just so, um, it, like I said earlier, like it is the embodiment of running through a field naked Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it's just it's so much fun um dazzling it's it's so joyful is magnificent and um yeah i mean i like the second track um which is called any mare singular something something the really poppy one yeah (laughs) so poppy and you know i think part of it is that like like i said this is their indie rock album and so i think a lot of it is just like my natural aesthetics are kind of being hit with this one you know yeah. just, this album is so easy for me to listen to um yeah. it doesn't really like require like you know i feel like listen to parentheses it's like demanding in some level you know and um mm. even like even there are some of their album, other albums too like you have to like really like focus and like be like in tune with what's happening and this is like basically a pop album yeah anyone could pick this album up for yeah. sure i wrote so fun and joyous is this even the same band that started with lawn <laughs> yeah it's it's insane that they got to this point i feel like this one just has like so many classic songs on it like and that might just be my like having like you liking it so much like i've just been around for yeah. long enough that like i heard this and was like oh yeah i know like i know this one all right mm-hmm. you know without right. ever having made like that clear of a, an attempt to get through it well i know well I this know was our first know. album we got into right nick same with you I like know. I, know. I learned about seager rose really when this album came out in like 08 because like 2008 then, like i didn't know cigarettes really too much before then well you graduated in 2007 so yeah but what was the I? Case, then like you weren't listening oh. to them in high school but maybe like, i say high school too much in this uh, well, podcast then. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't mean to be disputing your memory or anything but like i remember listening. guys it's the con- the con the conceptual high school sure yeah yeah i remember being into um agendas bjorn like a lot in high school okay i remember like i remember hearing that one a lot and listening to that a lot like um and and talk to a degree um not as much i feel like i got into i got into talk like a little bit later but um yeah i i wouldn't say this is my first i remember listening to this i remember this came out when i um went to europe and uh i remember just like during my europe trip i like discovered a lot of uh, just amazing music like that was when i first heard animal collective on that trip and like that's why I know that it wasn't my first because I would be, I'd be saying right now that I discovered Animal Collective and Seager Rose on the same trip. Where okay. it was like, I know that Animal Collective, like that was when I first got into Animal Collective feels. And uh, this was, this was like me rediscovering Seager Rose in some ways. Okay. Um, One thing that stood out to me on this re-listen, and this is the album that used to be number four for me, but I bumped up above parentheses um, or the bracket album is this album is so perfectly consistent. Like even in the last like four tracks, I was just like, oh yeah, this song, like so, like this song's perfect. Oh yeah, this song. And then the ending just like, like one after another there, I was expecting there to be like something that I would have skipped in a car ride um, from my memory. And it just wasn't there. Like every song is 
is great and they deliver on every single track on this album yeah so for me when whenever we do these podcast things uh every episode um when i'm listening to their discography if there's a song that stands out for any reason it's like oh yeah i love this song i put it on a playlist you know so then like i have like an ongoing playlist of um of just the songs that stand out for me that i love and with this one it's like I had to actually cut myself off because it was like <laughs> this song like, is a this album is a playlist like, like it's a first, best of the first seven tracks I put on the playlist wow. and then I was like I need to take a break like I can't put this, <laughs> I can't put this whole one on there and then like two songs later I was like no I gotta put that one on there too yeah yeah and so it just yeah oh, that's wonderful they're just they're they're so much fun to listen to and that's what I'm trying to say about this one is that it just like it's just so easy to turn on like every song mm. comes on it just makes you feel good and you just want to listen to it. Yeah, but it's it's not even like it's not even like poppy in the sense that like it's it's um, missing any of that creative energy. Like it's still nope. like so jam packed. Yeah. Um, I did want to tell you guys that it is the song, the spill on, on the lost that uh, I hear. Oh, can't you see? Is this your crazy uncle? What what track number? One. Two, three, four, four, oh. four. Yeah. I, okay. I, yeah, I, I know. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking. Yeah. About. I know what you're talking. But about. I like, I like, have memories of listening to this in the car with you, perhaps, like way back in the day, and it's, it's always been thing that I hear. Wow. Um, one thing I, yeah. one thing I like about this album is they still have their like key epic songs there's like two of them like very clearly and Sigurus knows what they're doing when they wrote yeah. these songs it's like, like festival, festival track five just has it's all one build up from start to finish that bass riff and then even more extreme somehow for me is um ara butar i think it's track seven yeah. which reaches the most climactic orchestration yeah. uh, at the end and it like uh i don't know it gives me like chills when i hear it like yeah makes the hairs like stand on the back of my neck when that ending hits. It's like, it's just, they know so well what they're doing, basically. Mm-hmm. It just, it just, it happens and just keeps going, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, festival, you saying that festival is just a build up the whole time. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just one crescendo. Dum, 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 dum. And then just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. And then by the end you like you're with them and you have your hands in the air and you're just like jumping around in a circle. Yeah. You know, just uh, at a festival. Yeah. But yeah. Wow, man. So good. So good. Um cool. Well I think we should just go on to the next one. Yeah, definitely. Um the most successful this is it. album. This the is most it. successful album. Yeah. It's happening. Okay. Top so, two. So that was all of our number threes. Wow. So, Shen, what is your number two? Yes, I feel a lot of pressure right now. Okay. My number two. I'm like really bad. Okay. Um, Agatis Buren. How do you say it? Yeah. Agendis Buren or whatever. Agendis Buren. Shoo. (laughs) And that's my number two, Shannon. So we agree on two and one. I figured Nick would be flipped. I yeah. knew Nick would be flipped. Yeah. Um, so there, there's that. Um, so yeah, talk is my is my number two. So uh, sell the high. Yeah. <laughs> I've already said mine enough. This is okay. okay. That um, was the best one, honestly. Like that was the one where I heard it. Like I yeah, heard. Yeah, you know heard what I'm it. talking yeah, about. I, I always it. hear. Is this your crazy uncle? Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, okay. So. So, Shannon, what's your number one? My number one is Talk. Cool. So, let's talk about it. Uh, talk came out in uh, 
2005. So that was their fourth album. It was released on Geffen. Um, they produced it with Ken Thomas. Uh, according to Wikipedia, this is a post-rock album and nothing else. Um, it Finally. Is, yeah. Just <laughs> straight up post-rock. Um, the singles are Glossoli, Sailgalupur. Can someone help me with this one? Sailgalupur. Sailgalupur and Hop. Hapipola. Um, so we said earlier, talk translates to thanks. And um, this is the one where they, um, you mentioned it earlier, Haima, where after touring, having a huge world tour, they went home and uh, recorded um, a bunch of live albums, like a live movie, um, at a bunch of coffee shops and bunkers and community places all and around. And fields um, in yeah. the middle of nature. Yeah. I started rewatching it. Um, oh but I didn't finish it last night, but it's so good. That's a good idea. Is it on Letterboxd? It's on Prime right now. Oh. Um, I might well, do that, yeah, tonight. Yeah, that's, that's a great idea. We, shall, we all should have, that could have been our movie corner for this. Yeah, life's okay. been a little crazy, so yeah, okay. I watched part of it. So guys, I, I almost want to say sorry because I did hype it up a little too much because this is the one where... Dude, I feel like, I mean, no, I, I mean, feel... Okay, go on. What were you gonna say? I feel like I, I was I was really hoping we were gonna vibe with the with the three two one. It four three two one. It thing. really almost it really almost did. And uh I, I because Brandon knows. Like he know he knew that like Agenda Spearn's my number one. We're not yeah. there yet, but like that's always been my favorite. That's always been my number one. So it's like like to to have something beat your always number one, I feel like it's a big ask. You know, like yeah. it's been my number one for 10 years how do you how do you beat that and it did get close and i'll tell you what it was <laughs> it was um it was uh that second single that i said say, say a little poor where um i just was like listening to it i had my headphones on i was trying to do homework and then like i had to like stop what i was doing and i just like went into a trance yeah and the drumming came in and all the fills mm-hmm. and just like it gets so, it just gets so wild. Like there's just like that menacing downbeat that's just like hitting and hitting. And Yonzi's just like doing his gorgeous vocals over it. And I was literally sitting there in my living room, just like like fist pumping. Like, yeah, I was just like, yes. Like I was rocking. I was just rocking out so hard. And I was like, I just felt like I was like transfixed. You know, it was just like one of those like complete holy shit moments. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it almost made talk my number one album. Um, but. Yeah, that song is incredible. And um, yeah, that's this album was also my number one. And it's been my number one for a while. I, I'm always astonished at how incredible every single track is. And just like Agentus Bjorn, like how uh, well recorded, just like the ideas that they have when they're in studio creating these songs, like nothing just sounds like a normal like instrument or sound. There's just all these other little noises going on that makes it just special, yeah. um, just so creative. Um, yeah. Another song that always stands out to me, like you mentioned track six, is the one before it as well, which like turns in that circus ending. Um, when it gives way to those horns, like mm-hmm. it yep. just like always does it for me. Yeah. I was just about to bring that up actually, because yeah. like you're talking about how creative they are in studio. And that to me was like one of the most creative things I've heard all year, you know, where um, like it fades out 
and then it comes back in with this like awesome horn section and it mm-hmm. it like it feels out of place but also perfect like mm-hmm. it's is that the one in the movie where they have the the marching like the little marching band i don't remember, Do remember i don't this? remember the movie oh but. okay yes i'm just gonna say yes it's probably it that yeah and it's so adorable and it's like this little local like all these young and old people like marching in like uniforms together and then they like come up onto a stage it's very cute anyway, yeah yeah love and the 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 like five six seven track punch i don't know if you guys are feeling track seven also is just this mm. like roller coaster of explosive drums and emotion and like those three songs back to back is just unbelievable um and then you know a, a few of our picks like the opening track Losali, is just one of the most epic things they've ever done. Um, me and you, Nick, both picked track three as their like, you know, best single song as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, it's just like, I can't believe how perfect this album is. Yeah. And the reason I said, I mean, I, I, I said it earlier, but I do think that that song, Hopelina, is like, if I were to just pick anyone off the street and be like, hey, listen to Sigurose, I would probably turn on that song because I think it's like the perfect, like, it's, it's really accessible. And it's straightforward, but it's also just jaw-droppingly beautiful. I mentioned this band on, I went, I had a retreat for my school the other day. Like we had like a retreat and somehow music came up and someone asked me like, well, you know, what do you listen to, Nick? And I, I you know, it's kind of hard, it's kind of hard to answer that question. You obviously plugged the podcast. I, I did. I actually was like, so I actually started the podcast and we're doing this Icelandic band right now. But in fact, it would be perfect for a religious retreat you know if you're really if you're looking for something to meditate to or just to like space out on and thinking think about like god and stuff um secret rose is kind of the perfect band for that sort of thing oh god i wanted and, to say this earlier like i because their because their lyrics are not in english like sometimes i was listening to albums being like man that album's like really instrumental and then i realized that there were like a lot of lyrics on it and i just like mm-hmm. kind of the line yeah. was so blurred because i had no idea what the lyrics were saying but, yeah. and his voice is like the falsetto is like an instrument in itself but mm-hmm. like <laughs> So I do think these two, the, I feel like TAC and Medsudai Emporium like really go together. Like I feel like they're, they're hand yeah. in hand in a lot of ways. And if Simply anything- they're stepping stone to get to you running through the field naked. Like you hear it in TAC that they're getting there with the poppiness while still like having their, you know, previous aesthetic. Right, right. But I, f- I feel like this one is like, yeah, like, like if Medsudai is, is a pop record, then this one is a rock record. You know where um, both of them obviously have their elements of cinematic Rose type stuff that you know that they're always going to do, but I feel like this one is like more has more like rock orientation, like what um, what you would think of with with rock stuff. Just like like the drums really stand out, the guitars mm-hmm. really stand mm-hmm. out, and um, just like structurally, it like it's it's tight. You know, it's a it's it's a tight record where mm-hmm. just like the other one basically every song is great. You know, every song is like really special and interesting in its own way. And, um, you know, we're going to get to, you know, my number one, but you know, that one is like still like so spacey and like, you know, like you're floating in space. Whereas this one is, I feel like it is pretty grounded. Yeah. There's, um, yeah, it's, it's easier to grasp than their previous, you know, parentheses and agentus Bjorn. And in that sense, it's more like the album that comes after it. Yeah. Um, one, one thing, Shannon, the last track on this album is also featured in their live documentary 
and it's they're just in a field with the xylophones. And yeah. I remember seeing it in that documentary and like, what song is this? And it was like, oh, fuck, it's the last song on yeah. Tack. And now this last song on Tack, because of that live performance, it stands out to me. It's one of my favorites as well. Oh, that's so cool. That, yeah. guys, that, watching that with you guys, I, I don't remember if you remember the specifics about watching it here at this I house. Do. I do. We watched it in the room on a laptop. But it was like, um, there was like, like a weight set. It was like yeah. set up on like the be- on the bench and yeah. like- Good memory. <laughs> we were like, like crowded around this little laptop. Like, but it still felt magical. It was so beautiful. Like it, yeah. I mean, seriously, that was like, uh, that stood out to me. Um, so that's pretty much why this, this re- I mean like that, this album's so great. And then just, I have all this like lovely history. I've rewatched the documentary a couple times over the years just like because it's so beautiful you could just turn it on anytime um and i was gonna say something else but i can't remember what it is um i do think that i just i really love this i mentioned it earlier i love that this album is called talk i love that it translates to thanks and it really does make me feel thankful i do think that i don't know you know if i haven't translated any of the lyrics i don't know how much of it's gibberish but it does make me feel gratitude I feel like this is like a, you know, sort of, um, you know, give thanks to the world type thing album. You know, it's pretty optimistic. It, mm-hmm. there, are par- there are parts where it makes me want to hold hands with my family and go to a fair and be around other and be around <laughs> other people. Yeah. You know, it's, it's. I, I do remember what I was going to say now um, in the documentary, they were talking about how making comment on how like their process of writing songs together is like a lot of hard work and I feel like this and you know a few of the other like really tight albums just really showcase that like work ethic like they're not just like vessels from God for God or something although they might be I think they they work really hard to make this like whole sound happen yeah that's a really good way to put it like they're there's uh, there's sounds in this album that aren't just from a normal like guitar amp like they're spending time and effort finding them and searching for the exact right like noise to I put everywhere yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah for sure they they're hard working i mean their first three albums for all 71 minutes on the dot you know that they're uh, <laughs> meticulous <laughs> but cool i I, I, I want to talk about your number one, cool. Nick. Well, let's like, move on to my number one, uh, and then we'll put the list together. So, yeah, my number one is um, is Agentis Bjorn. So that is their second album. It uh, was released off of Smeklesa Records. Um, so the genres are post-rock, dream pop, ambient, art rock, and shoegazing. Not shoegaze. I know shoegazing, different from shoegaze. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, but the <laughs> singles are Sven G. Inglar and Night Battery. Um, so this was, I mean, it's their second album, but it's typically known as like their breakthrough, um, both commercially and critically. Um, there are, there's 10 songs in the album, but there are like self-referen- self-references in the album. The intro contains um, like parts from the title track and um, they come back around later in the final, in the final song. Um, the strings in the song Stuffafleur are um, like palindrome, like they do the same backwards and forwards. It's pretty interesting. Oh, that's cool. 
but um this one i feel like this is an album where um you even if you haven't heard it you probably have heard it like or some of the songs off of it just because they're it's used in movies so much like sven Engler was um was used in uh vanilla sky um star starfler yeah starfler is pretty popular yeah i mean it's in that beautiful perfect moment in the life aquatic that like ending moment where they see the jaguar shark oh spoiler (laughs) just kidding i mean we came out in 2004 i think we i think it's okay to say that they saw a shark in the movie but um um yeah uh so yeah i feel like this movie there's this I, I just I like I keep yeah. alluding to this album that I just find this album just one of the most beautiful things ever made. You, you said know? Yeah. something just just a little bit ago about about this one making you feel like you're floating in space, you know, and like I I feel like it's it's ocean for me, and partially because of Life Aquatic, or that's why they use the song in Life Aquatic, but like that whole like sonar kind of sound that, that's oh, yeah. going on, and like yeah. but like mm-hmm. also. It's floating in the ocean, like at the fetus cover, you know, like oh, yeah. on the cover, like floating in the womb. I don't know. It's so cozy. It is. And uh, yeah. To me, yeah. go ahead, Nick. This is your album. No, no, no. Okay. No. To me, when I come on this album, I like in my head, I'm just like, how the fuck did these four people put this together after Vaughn? Like, yeah, I get how you get to talk after this album but i don't know how you get to this like musical genius so on your sophomore album and vaughn like it's so weird it's not it's not like a different sound yeah like this what whatever they were learning or studying to like know how to write an album this good following up vaughn is just like i don't understand it and it's sold their soul amazing we know we know know it's yeah magic obviously it's not the devil because this music is way too peaceful for that to ever happen that's how it gets (laughs) you but no i mean we 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 alluded to earlier brandon the um after vaughn uh kjartan spearson uh the keyboardist joined the band so oh, like and he's, he's the music theory yeah, guy. He's the only oh. member of the band who actually oh has. So he came on. He was training. like, "Guys, I got this." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just sit back. I got this. Yeah, this is how you use strings. Oh. This is how you incorporate. You know, all these things. So he's he's the one who like added all the texture. Probably. I and, need a like, documentary on him. Is there one? Okay, I'll look into it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's I a good point, Nick. Yeah, he, he's probably the guy who who like contributed all the orchestra stuff and the string arrangements and those types of things whereas like you know on Vaughn they were still just like throwing like ideas at the wall mm-hmm. it feels like with this one they took the ideas and added spoons just kidding no spoons <laughs> until way later but you know they added uh they added cinema or something you know they yeah. added like you know they added um really they added like vision for the whole album I think because that's yeah. like something that's missing from Vaughn don't you think like oh yeah, yeah. Piece that's a good point and this was like definitely an arc yeah this album almost like tells a story i mean i have no idea what that story would be but it like it it takes you on an emotional ride it's an album's album like like i i mean i i don't know about you guys but i i don't just turn on like zvonji and glare like it's a i listen to this all the way through and that's always how i've treated gentis bjorn yeah yeah 
I mean, um, I, I, I mean, you know, I, I just told you that I have a playlist of superhero <laughs> songs. So blasphemy. I, I go all over the place with it sometimes, but I hear what you mean. Like it is now that you, it feels like you should listen to it all the way through. Um, yeah, they, they just really like, they just really put it all together. Like I feel like this is the one where they really like, they really, you know, what you were saying earlier about <laughs> Volartari, where. I just remembered I wanted to say this earlier speaking of like can't just pick out a song off this album I had like a birth playlist going when I was having our first daughter and um, I made it a collaborative playlist and I could like add ideas that he did and he added this whole album but Spotify doesn't do good at like the shuffling so every time it would get to one of these songs it would just like play the next song and it would just play the whole album. Yeah, I don't know if you experienced that with Spotify right now. I don't know what type of music I don't know what you use to listen to music, but mm-hmm. this algorithm like goes for something similar. So if there's yeah. nothing similar on the playlist, it just like goes to the oh, next, it gets like, it gets know? in a rut. Yeah. That's probably be, good. Anyway. It's, it's really frustrating actually because like I, I did, made a playlist. Honestly for a I took where... the, I took it off my birth list because I, like, <laughs> I can't I can't deal with those like <laughs> well you know like I keep telling you like I feel like this album is like to me, it like feels like something's being born into the world. I mean, it like is a fetus. Yeah, it's, and it, it's sleeping angel. Yeah, and it just it just to me captures like, you know, the essence of life. The the I'm just saying a bunch of pretentious crap right now, but really, it, like it to me, it feels like if I were to um, you know, the most beautiful moment in my life, the two most beautiful moments were when my kids were born. You know, and like I broke down crying both times. But if I were to have that on film, I would want this to be like mm-hmm. a soundtrack for it. You know, because it's it's about life coming in. You know, and I don't really know if that's what it's about, but like that's that's what that's it's how it makes feel. To me. And um, that's I think it's doing. it's telling Nick that both me and you picked our favorite Seeger Rose's songs are different songs from this album too. Like uh, you picked track two, I picked track eight. Like this album contains like the best stuff they've written. I, I also think track, uh, track three, uh, star flirt. I remember like, I have distinct memories of listening to this song on my brand new stereo system. I had at my parents' place, um, in my bedroom. And I was always so blown away with that transition mid song where like fades down to just that acoustic strum just like mm, really yeah. crisp acoustic yeah. and then the like electronic beat comes back in just that pulse um yeah that song was one of the early favorites for me yeah absolutely do you remember like hearing this on the life aquatic this is why i feel like you must have like listened to see gross in high school i actually wouldn't have remembered that this was a life aquatic and that's one of my favorite wes anderson films but i Ooh. i I, of course, if I saw the film again, I would I would know it's Secret Rose, but yeah, I don't have it, uh, you know, as yeah. a fact in my head. You should just go and look at that scene after this because okay. it's pretty cool. You guys, something that I learned through this process was that, like, I feel like I should start smoking pot again. <laughs> <laughs> I just kept being like, man, this would be really fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. There's something that, like, there's certain types of music that really, like, uh, like marijuana brings out this like beautiful elements and to me it's like it's like peaceful like Seeger Rose type stuff and and hip-hop you know just like I love listening to hip-hop and being stoned it just makes sense just like this is the same kind of way we're like you know this makes me want to like smoke smoke a joint and just look at the sky is there any album in particular or do we just agree that Agents Bjorn's the 
the pot album um yeah <laughs> yeah actually yeah 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 probably, probably. it's probably this probably yeah maybe Even those two and you might like i don't know you might get weird i might get weird <laughs> the last track i might like have a panic attack yeah go hide <laughs> under the bed well should we combine our yeah. i mean it's so it's gonna be rare, very easy yeah this I'm time sorry. around yeah it's gonna be very easy but um i still think yeah i mean we still gotta combine them so um starting at our number ones um i'm willing to give it to you guys you know i mean yeah it's like you two to one had, yeah you both had it uh had talk at number one i say let's go for it um it was it was close they're yeah. all close so um so yeah let's do talk at number one uh we can do Genesis bureau number two then obviously. yep for sure um we all had med sui Lorium, vio spilium and lost at number three um we all had parentheses number four yeah so that should be your top four solid that was easy well we still have to do the bottom ones but um i think i know I, it um <laughs> so brandon what did you have at number five voltari so you have voltari at number five i had that at number seven um you guys both had connect here at number five yeah i feel like that that's so that's number five. five. Yeah. So then that could be number five to the here. And then, um, and then Voltari, I think should be next. And then, right. Cause mine drags it up one and then, then Vaughn last. And then you, you two had Vaughn at number seven. So yeah. That would be the order. I feel like, I'm, I feel like Brandon was closest to being correct. If that, like, if we're doing like a correct type thing, but oh, thank you. That's a very Brandon thing to say. I know. <laughs> I like I'm just like, his ego with this. Like, I'd like to think mine was the most correct too. You were, you were the most correct. Um, but you know, I haven't actually said it on this podcast yet, but this is one of those with this podcast, we do feel like anytime if we were to make this in a week or a month or a year, my order could very much be different. Um, who knows? Like if we made this in the middle of summer, med Sudai and Florian might've been number, number two. Yeah. Um, but, I did feel that way. Like I thought I was going to go darker because I loved like, figure so much and then like just where i'm at in life i was i was like i need something lighter yeah i can't be like dwelling on this dark right so uh let's go over the list um shen do you want to uh list them off i'll say the number you say the name of the album sure are you going I'll, to be able I'll to do, i'll do my best um okay wait but how do you say that how do you say yours again a gate a gatus bjorn bjorn you, Good enough. Burian. 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 Okay, got yeah, it. So, um, so, so, uh, Seeger Rose albums ranked number seven. Vaughn. Number six. Voltari. Number five. Kvekir. Number four. The Bracket album. <laughs> number three. <laughs> Metsutherum with Spilum Andalos. Number two. Agatis. Bergen. And and the number one Sigurus album is Talk. Talk. Thanks. 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 Um, cool. Did you guys uh, you know discover anything about yourselves through this re-listen, through this listen through? I discovered that I procrastinate a lot. <laughs> um, the yeah, I mean I find this whole podcast best when we do one album per day. Mm -hmm. um, but so then I have time to re-listen and stuff, but yeah, I mean, 
that's i i meant like did you did you find anything out about your like your music taste or anything like that but um not really you know i don't know you like what you like um so brandon we don't have a name for this podcast uh, yeah do you do you have any ideas for us what where our name should be I have one. I don't think it's very good, but it's the best I could come up with. And I, maybe you could use some of these words in different with other words that you think I like of. that. Yeah. So I got the discography dissectors. Mm, I like mm. it. Oh, you actually like I it? Think you, I think you did good. Okay. We'll see what happens, but I'm just saying. Well, like, like Reese had uh, discog divers. You know, which I think is like in the same vein as that. Yeah, yeah. Like, so discography is a reoccurring word. I think that word is like what encapsulates what encapsulates this podcast. So yeah, I know, I know where I'm leaning with the title, but we'll we'll talk off pod. Okay. Well, okay. Um, Brandon, uh, thanks for having us on. Uh, I thank you for listening to the show too. For the listeners, uh, stay tuned for what uh, we'll be recording. We'll be doing for the next podcast. But uh, Brandon, thanks for coming on the show. Really, this has been it. a really fun project. Thank you for inviting me onto your podcast, so and it was awesome re-listening to Seager Rose with all y'all. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode, which will be the season one finale where we cover Outcast. <laughs>